Hello, everybody. Hey, welcome. I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And we're MZ Car Guys. You can find us on all our social media at MZ Car Guys. Yep. And uh, anchor.fm forward slash MZ Car Guys. And if you want to drop us a line, mzcarguys at gmail.com. So uh, today, because Matt and I are both kind of getting over junk and crud and stuff, uh, it's going to be kind of a looser talk, right, Matt? Uh, that's that's it. Uh, let's kind of jump right into it. Um, go for first it. thing. I want to go in some uh, some current events, if you will. One of them not quite the current, but uh, bring up Rivian, the electric vehicle manufacturer we talked about a few weeks back. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Some some news on them, right? They got the R1T. Yes, uh, seven seat SUV. Yep. And uh, pricing is going to start at. $69,000 for the pickup and seventy two five for the uh, SUV. And that's if you live in California, that's before the $7,500 federal tax rebate and anything else you might be getting from that. So, yeah, I think, also, uh, I think in California they get a $2,500 check or something like that. Anyways, your mileage may vary. Um, so, the really cool thing is they're both going to be produced at their new factory. Well, not New, new to them, uh, yeah. factory in Normal, Illinois, which used to make Mitsubishi's. Yeah, really cool story about that is uh, they had originally sent uh, some people out there uh, to buy some of the equipment, like the stamping equipment and stuff like that, manufacturing equipment. And uh, they, uh, they ended up calling uh, RJ uh, Scaringe, who's the uh, CEO, and they said you've got to get out here because we, we may want to do something more. And so what they did was, is they, uh, they had gone out there to kind of look at the equipment to maybe bid on some of the equipment and stuff like that and ended up having to stay in the community. And they said it was such a, um, a tight knit community. It was such a supportive community. Um, that they said we 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 should really consider just doing our manufacturing here and they decided to do that and so it it was it was the hospitality and the supportive attitude that that just kind of pushed them forward into getting the uh the, just buying the whole thing and they got it for a steal they got the whole thing equipment and everything for 16 million which is just wow. ridiculously cheap that's 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 fantastic. Um, so a couple of things about the cars themselves I find really interesting. Uh, first of all, <coughs> pardon my coughing. I apologize. It's all right. I'll match you. It's, it's you know you get got to trade one for, to get one. Uh, oh. Is they can wade in up to three feet of water. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy deep water. That's like send the Top Gear vehicles and then they all get stuck in it kind of water. Well, what's funny is, is I was, uh, I was reading about it and the reason why it can only do three feet of water is because it's so watertight that anything really above three feet of water, um, you, you run into Archimedes law and it starts to float. <laughs> <laughs> so three feet of water, unless you're loaded down with gear and people. Um, then on top of that, you've got lockable storage bins for gear, and the pickup truck has a gear tunnel. So there's an, a passageway, and you need to Google image this, guys, to really get a look at this. I wish I could show you. But 
it's a complete pass through with doors that open on both sides and it's an area just behind the second row of seats before you get into the bed at the and, very base of the, and, of the truck and, it's really fantastic and and it's it's it the 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 r1t especially reminds me a lot of the the honda ridgeline where oh, there's cool. these, little, these little small things all over the place like the doors that matt's talking about that open up to the uh, to the gear tunnel they actually create either a seat that you can sit on or a step to be able to reach up to uh, the roof of the uh, of the truck. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And their all-wheel drive system is amazing also. Yeah, they're using one motor per wheel, which is, I think, unheard of in the electric car world at this point in a production vehicle. Yeah, I think the only thing... Uh, didn't Mazda yeah. or uh, Honda do the, uh, the, the CRZ all-electric all-wheel drive? Yeah, as a, it was a their Pikes Peak race car a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it won its class. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's really cool about their about Rivian's all-wheel drive system is um, it has torque vectoring, which a lot of people are fairly familiar with. Uh, probably uh, the biggest one out there right now, I guess, is Acura's super handling all-wheel drive system. Um, and uh, and and it can um, it, it can send up to seventy percent of power to the rear wheels, and of that seventy percent, it can actually uh, send a hundred percent of that to either rear wheel. And so, awesome. uh, mechanical system, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But with Rivian system, um, they said they can actually take. Uh, one of the wheels and actually go backwards with it. So, right. uh, so well, no, 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 no. Like completely reverse the rotation of the wheel. So like technically they could reverse the polarity and you could go just in a circle, just, just, just twist yourself in a little circle, like a tornado. That makes sense. I mean, that's just, <clears throat> yeah. It's, essentially, it's, it's a four-wheeled version of what the new NSX does on the front wheels with the torque vectoring, where the way it just literally pulls itself around the corner. Yeah. It's yeah. Pretty amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have serious high hopes for Rivian. Um, I, oh, I think out, for sure. I, I think out of out of all the. The, the, the companies out there and hey I, I was I was wrong about Tesla I, I was you know I, I thought you know because when they first came out with the Tesla Roadster which was basically just a modified Lotus Elise um, you know it was just <coughs> you know it just, yeah it wasn't it really wasn't ready for market it was you know kind of that and then you know they they you know but you know now they have the model 3 and the model 3 thank goodness has I, I think we can actually say that the model three is a success um well yeah I, I mean by the federal government standard they are because now they don't qualify for the full tax credit anymore yeah sold so many cars now the numbers are low although i don't know if you saw the new news on that real quick is tesla's model three sales dropped by 70 percent in january compared to december well, I think that's because they uh, they they had fulfilled, I think, 
oh. all their immediate orders because well, well all, all of the orders for the high end because 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 they were only going to make the high end first right the performance uh, model and, yeah. haven't made any base models yet correct yeah yeah the cheapest one you can get right now is fifty five thousand I want to say <clears throat> yeah yeah the one that's I think the I think the base model model three is thirty five somewhere around there thirty two thirty right only if you get the black color, which is the only non-cost extra cost color, uh, yeah. and you get it completely stripped out with a, with a cloth interior. But um, so the article I was reading, the conjecture was that the sales fell so much, uh, in part because the tax credit dropped by half, and also because all these folks were buying in December, so they could apply for the tax credit to get it back in a couple of months, right, six to ten weeks. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Model three in January, you're not going to see that tax credit for. 14 months well i i did the same thing i i uh, i just had solar installed on our house and uh we we literally had uh you had to you had to have at least at least 10 percent of the process or 10 percent of the project completed before the end of the year and if you got the inspection done and they were able to get the permit and you signed the contract that counted as 10%. And I signed the contract and they were able to on the 31st uh, do the inspection and complete the permitting process. And that all happened on the 31st. So I get 30% back of the whole thing in uh in uh in, in april well that's great man yeah. so uh a couple of other things about the review just before we let it go because i'm sure some people are wondering uh the first model they're going to produce is the highest performance level which is not a surprise uh and it's going to be a 180 kilowatt hour battery pack which is double <coughs> the original high performance model s and model x were uh, and a 410 mile range they're claiming uh, and they will also introduce a 135 kilowatt pack and the base model will be a 105 pack with 250 miles of range but that will not come until 2021 so about two two and a half years from now but um, but 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 I'd like to point out though that you have you know you, you're really starting to see um, you know costs come down on on uh, on electrics i mean and, and seriously come down i mean you're talking so the top of the line model x so the p100d model x uh which let's all be honest with ourselves they claim it's an suv it's actually a minivan but anyways i digress but i mean that's 140,000. So, and that's only 100 kilowatt hours where the base model, uh, you know, the, the, the base model R1S is 105 kilowatt hours. That's right. Yeah. The base model. Yeah. And it's, and, and you said it was how much starting price? Uh, the R1S is 72.5. I mean, so you're yeah, talking, probably, yeah. yeah, half the price. And more kilowatt hours, yeah. and in my opinion, a more usable vehicle, much more usable vehicle. 
It's um, it's really interesting. Um, so the the setup, anyone who might be interested, is the setup on the R1S uh, seating wise is uh, three in the middle and two in the back, which is sort of the standard luxury SUV. Yeah, scene. two. Yeah, two. Two. Yeah, yeah. Two, three, two. <laughs> but what I find more interesting is that, and this is um, something electric aficionados are going to know well already, is because of the way electric motors give you all the torque up front, but they tend to die at the top end you have a zero to 60 in three seconds, but the top speed is only 125. Uh, as a point of comparison, uh, the Acura NSX, which is more expensive, but has the same zero to 60 time, has a top speed of about 180. So just yeah. to show you the difference between internal combustion and, and electric and how that sort of changes the performance sort of curve. No, no, I, and, and, I, and I totally agree. And I, and I think if we were able to take um you know uh koenigsegg's uh single gear transmission oh the regera yeah 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 off of the regera i think you know because they've already talked about uh saw an interview with uh christian koenigsegg um talking about how you could really apply that to uh electric drive uh semis because you'd have this huge amount of torque that you could take off with, and then you'd be able to be just up to speed, you know, in no time. So, it's actually a good, good, good one. That kind of a good segue brings me to my next thing I wanted to talk about, which is Koenigsegg is going down market. Yeah. Well, ish. For let's a define, they're going let's, down market. Let's define down market. Down market is, in their case, it is a starting and well, it's production levels in <coughs> into the hundreds, which are saying, which is a big deal for them because normally they make a dozen or a couple of dozen cars a year. Yeah. Into the hundreds per year with a starting price of a million euros or about $1.1 million. Yeah. That's the new mass produced. That's, that's their Model 3. Yeah. Essentially, but but I love I love that they're finally introducing introducing the free valve technology. Oh, I'm so excited! Uh, it's 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 nice in the fact that you know we're able to finally have that on the market. Because, you know, just pushing forward with this new technology and stuff of, of stretching out. Because um, you were telling me something about they're, they're able to do cold start on. Okay. Yeah, well, here's, so here's, here's the quote. I'll go and read the whole quote. Okay. Uh, our ambition is that this car will be completely CO2 neutral. Um, the was about using hybridization with free valve. Given the free valve technology, we can actually cold start the car on pure alcohol down to minus 30 degrees, which is roughly minus 30 degrees Fahrenheit. <coughs> no need for any fossil fuel mix then. The idea is to prove to the world that even a combustion engine can be completely CO2 neutral. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and I mean, and let's be honest, it's, 
you know, you have petrol heads, you know, people who really truly just want petrol and gasoline combustion wise has actually gasoline just period um, has the most thermal efficiency um, outside of diesel. But if, if you're, if you're able to do, you know, first off, you know, getting the gasoline, you know, or getting the, the crude oil to make gasoline is just a pain and it's just becoming harder and harder and harder. Um, but I mean, it's, it's much easier to make, you know, alcohol. Uh, we've been doing it for over 10,000 years now. Um, you know, so, so being able to, you know, to, to, to make alcohol, you know, to, to run stuff off of, sure, you have the, the added convenience of the fact that it's carbon neutral, but also the fact that it's just easier to produce. Yeah. You know, and cheaper. Now, I, I don't know, do you, do you have any input on, on how stable that is in terms of transporting it? Uh, you know, combustibility, you know, resistance to shock or anything like that, whether it's different or worse than gasoline. Well, well, Mr. Matthew, I, I am so glad that you have asked, answer, uh, asked that question. Um, I, I would like to refer to my, my roots, as it were, of uh, the people of uh, northern Georgia uh, <laughs> uh, who uh, took what is probably uh, uh, engine combustion grade ethanol, also known as moonshine, and used to run it through the hills and backwoods of northern Georgia and South Carolina and Tennessee and North Carolina, and uh, with uh, with with nary a problem. So, <laughs> transportation. Well that's, well, that's encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> It's also worth noting that, you know, he says CO2 neutral. He doesn't say hydrocarbon neutral. So, you know, if you're on gas, you're still going to have things like NOx emissions and some hydrocarbons and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, running on alcohol would be would be great, you know, at least in, in theory. He does – it can also run off of diesel, by the way. Um, but it's – without getting – my lecture about this, the, the gist of the free valve essentially is that instead of having a lobed camshaft, that makes the valve open and close and makes it have to sort of not rotate, but it's, it spends part of its time being neither open nor closed because it's a rotating lobe camshaft is you're able to have it in a uh, binary, very digital kind of position where now it's open and now it's closed. Now you have combustion well, and now you don't. Well, I mean, I mean, not only that, I mean, so yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's a, it's electric, it's a, it's electrically controlled pneumatic valves. So you can, so it's, it, it's actually a little bit more precise than that. Amazingly, because you can not only dictate when it's open and when it's closed, but you can dictate how long it's open, how long it's closed. And actually you can dictate how far it, it, it actually goes, it, it actually opens. How open is it? Yeah. So you can actually fine tune everything. Also, today, uh, real, real quick, this is, 
to go into nerdy just for a minute is you can run it as a oh we have to take a four a four cylinder you can run it as a single cylinder a two cylinder a three cylinder a four cylinder you can run it as a two stroke or as a four stroke you can run it as on the auto cycle the miller cycle or the <laughs> cycle and you can change those at an infinite rate nearly infinite rate oh yeah yeah absolutely i mean the the efficiency gains are tremendous and and it's 40 roughly 45 percent more power and roughly 45 percent more torque per liter than a traditional engine set up exactly the same yeah i i i think it's it's one of those technologies where i you know it's it's brand new but i think as you fine tune the programming as you fine tune the uh the actuator system and, and and stuff like that that you'll be able to make it even better and and so i i i think the, those who think that the internal combustion engine you know is is going the way of the dodo there's just too many advances um you know that 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 once some kinks are worked out and you know, now that we have, you know, super fine digital, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're into the digital world of being able to, you know, write programming and stuff like that. I, I just think it's going to get better and better and better and better and better. Now, whether or not that internal combustion is going to be petrol based or if it's going to be alcohol based or if it's going to be, I don't know, just lithium crystal base i I don't know (laughs) a lot of possibilities yeah sorry i had to get my little uh my little trekkie uh throw throw that in there so uh but it's it's, okay so so the next thing and i know and i'm 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 gonna let you go first on this one i I promise we talked about this before yes but and i've actually calmed down since then well it's that's not such a good thing, but let's talk about the Supra. Okay. <sighs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me clear my throat real quick. So, the the brand new 2019 coming out as a 2020, correct? Yeah, correct. 2020 model year. Yeah. 2020 model year, Toyota Supra. They're there is a part of me which is very happy to have the Supra name back. Uh, I, I am a child of the, the late 80s, early 90s. You know, so Supra was definitely one of those cars that, that you just kind of saw, you know, especially, you know, the, the, the A80... Uh, with the two JZ, uh, or yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, that's correct. Yeah, the two yeah. J, the two Z was the, the the twin turbo inline six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two JZ, um, you know. So, I, so, so having the super name back is 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 very awesome. Um, and and it's going to be a very good car. It will be a very, very good car. It'll be fast. It'll handle well. Uh, it'll have a decent kind of 
um, you know, setup. But my problem that I have is, is it's not a Toyota. And the fact that Toyota is this huge car company, which makes tons of money a year, um, you, you, you couldn't develop your own inline six. You couldn't use some of the people from Lexus to come in and dud up the interior. And, you know, I mean, I mean, just the history of it. I mean, the original early eighties, uh, you know, uh, Celica Supra, which is where it came from. It was actually a, a designation of the Celica. I mean, they had the uh, it, it, they they had four wheel independent suspension that they had designed, uh, yeah, des- tuned and designed by Lotus. That they paid Lotus to design that. Um, you know, had four wheel disc brakes in 1982. You know, uh, the third generation, which was the first actual technical Supra. Uh, did even more and introduced turbocharging to it, um, which just made it even better. And then, of course, you know, the, the A80, which had the, 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 the twin turbo 2JZ making 326 horsepower in 1993, which was just insane. And it was this happy little medium kind of a place between the RX-7 that it, you know, that, that it competed against and... You know the Mits- <coughs> excuse me, the uh, the the Mitsubishi three thousand GT. Um, so you know it, it it they they can do this stuff. There's a history to it, um, and they're able to just you know they they have the ability to do this. And why in the world they didn't go to their engineering department and just flat out just hand him a blank check and say here do this and instead went to bmw i just think it is just it, it's it's sad it's it's very sad because it, i know that every time that i'm gonna look at it every time i'm gonna see one i'm just gonna think to myself what's that bmw doing with a t on the front of it that's my soapbox. Okay. My turn. Yes, go for I it. I love the new Supra. Uh, I love the fact that they took away the two back seats, which were as useless as 911 seats. I love the way it looks, especially from the front. I even love that crazy ducktail spoiler that reminds me of like a softened version of the old, uh, I want to say it's like an old uh, Shelby, Shelby Daytona. I think it's the car I'm thinking of. That is kind of a flat with a rounded spoiler on the back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, har- it kind of harkens back to that, which I, which I really love. Uh, I love the fact that it is $20,000 less than the BMW Z4. Okay, so I did some research. When the A80, the Super Mark IV, uh, yeah. was, in, was in production, the turbo version of it, which is the one everyone wants to for the equivalent of $80,000 today. Oh, yeah, it was expensive. It was okay. ridiculously expensive. It was 55 or so in 93, 96. Yeah. Okay. That is, 
I don't think it's a coincidence, but that is how much the Z4 costs now. So in the Supra, with a car that starts at $60,000, you're getting a car that's faster than the Z4, has BMW chassis tuning, Toyota suspension tuning, I want to emphasize that. It has the, the most reliable part, part of any BMW is the engine, and always has been, as long as you don't mess with it. That's always been the one thing. I have a guy, neighbor of mine, who goes to local racetracks all the time. He used to take his three series coupe until everything started breaking on it. And he said the engine is like a rock. Oh, yeah. So he knows it's an engine. And on top of that, yes, they could have developed their own inline six. <coughs> and why do that when BMW makes an excellent inline six to begin with? The, the, you know, and, and let's, let's face it. Okay, you and I both know that if the Supra didn't have an inline six, all the enthusiasts would revolt. Nobody would buy one. They would all say it's heresy. No, and it I would understand. fall flat in its face. No, I understand. Right. Okay. Okay. So last thing, it's twenty grand cheaper. It's faster. It's arguably better looking, and it's backed by Toyota, which means something does go wrong. You know they're going to take care of you. But it's. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. All right. So, uh, well, that coughs up an entire lung. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just go with the fact that I am excited for this car. Uh, real quick, there's going to be 1,500 launch edition models that are going to come out. Uh, and it's going to be one of three colors, uh, red, white, or black. The, bl- <laughs> my turn. the black and white will have a red interior. And the red will have a black interior. And they will all have red caps on the side mirrors and a couple of other minor tweaks but it's a limited edition run and then after that they're going to have a base and a premium model and the cool thing is it's got that bulletproof zf8 hp transmission which i've driven in three i think it is different cars in the past year models of cars and they were yeah. all fantastic so i know a lot of it's a software but bmw has been using this transmission for a long time now it's been out since 2010 i believe on the marketplace and it's it's arguably the best if not one of the best uh longitudinal uh automatic transmissions on the market oh agreed so i'm excited i I just i know the car is going to be fantastic but i just there's a certain part of me i mean this is the same car company that took on the full-size American truck market, <laughs> arguably quite successfully. Uh, now I said it failed. Well, they when when it, when when the Tundra was introduced, it did very well. That I force, I'll give you that. Yeah, that that I Force V8 is amazing. It's you know, and, and, and the truck itself, and just you know the. And when it came out, the, the dynamics of the truck were just completely, you know, they, they did a lot to do all the softening and stuff like that. Um, you know, now they've let it really get long in the tooth and, and, and they really need to completely just redo it from the ground up. I, I think both of us will agree to that. Yeah, it's um, supposed to be coming in 2021 model year. But this is also the same company that introduced the Toyota Camry NASCAR stock racing car. And the Supra will be 
<coughs> replacing it. Yeah, we'll, 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 yeah, the, the name Supra will replace the Camry. Now, I know stock car racing, in, in quotation marks, is, is kind of a misnomer. It hasn't really been that way since the mid-70s, mid to late 70s. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I have no doubt that the car will be absolutely fantastic and amazing. Um, and, and it looks good and, and everything. I just, I just wish Toyota had, had taken kind of a little bit more of a, of a lead in it and, uh, and done it themselves, but that's just me. So, so Zach, what, what's, uh, what's going on in the, uh, in the world of cars that, that you wanted to bring up something that's been, uh, been bugging you or inspired you or. Well, I think one of the things that's that's been really kind of fascinating for me is, and and I think it's just kind of in general, and that is that we've seen this this real huge leap forward in <clears throat> um, in, in in wanting to produce super efficient cars. And, and really reach out there. And, and all of these car companies have really kind of bought into this mindset of, of, of creating this and, and nothing, nothing comes more than so in, in, in cutting regulation, uh, which I'm perfectly okay with, um, you know, I've, I'm, I've, I've always thought less government is better government but that's just kind of me. Um, and, and, and this kind of brings home, you know, bring home, bring home, brings home my point. And that is, is that the, the United States federal government said, all right, we're going to cut back on regulations with this because we feel that it, it may be too, too restrictive and, and kind of pigeonholing, you know, the, so anyway, so like I was saying, sorry about that. Um, so like I was saying, um, you know, I, I think the fact that, you know, that, that they that they wanted to scale back regulations on emissions and stuff like that for uh, for for auto for automobiles, um, every single car company, I believe without fail, said, nope, we're OK. Leave it the way it is. Um and and that really impressed me, um, in in the fact that they've they've really wanted to just kind of push that out there, and and and, and they want it they they want to make everything more efficient, and I think you know the the general public is calling out for it. I mean I mean you know the 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 the, the market system is actually working to where they're supplying what people are demanding. Um, and, uh, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's definitely working better for some companies than others. Uh, there are some companies that have made a real point of marketing themselves around efficiency and other companies like FCA that unfortunately haven't, <coughs> and, uh, FCA has been in the position for the last, I don't know, 10 years, give or take now where they are an enthusiast company and enthusiast companies make cars that burn more gas doesn't matter whether you're an enthusiast about driving on the Rubicon Trail or you're an enthusiast about, you know, turning your tire into tire, rear tires into smoke uh, or whether you're looking for the quickest quarter mile time or whatever the case may be. But it's, 
it's been unfortunate that there's been a you know real balance of power shift with these uh what was it the uh credits the uh eco credits that you can get for having cars that you know pollute lower than a certain amount or have an mpg higher than a certain number and uh the japanese in general have done a really good job with uh with making things like that and making them actually kind of fun at the same time but I, I yeah well like, i mean the japanese, in the hole. and 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 i think um you know ford's done very well um, especially with their trucks, crazy enough. Yeah. Um, you know, their, their, their eco boost engines are just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, uh, and even, even general motors, um, you know, has, has really kind of stepped up in, in, in that whole thing. Um, but yeah, now one of the things though, and kind of getting a little bit back to Toyota, that's really kind of interesting so Honda for years was all about either either compressed natural gas, you know, CNG, uh, or um, or hydrogen fuel cell, and 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 they were really kind of into that and that type of thing. And I and and I do think that hydrogen fuel cell is <clears throat> it 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 is the it is the better drivetrain. Um, and the fact that, you know, that, that it gives you, uh, you know, that as, as, as long as you can source the hydrogen from, you know, a cleaner source, um, that, 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 that it is the cleaner technology of, of, of all, uh, of, of all production of, of, of all yeah, it is. It's the cleanest technology for any kind of propulsion system. Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, infrastructure notwithstanding, that type of thing. But um, but even Honda kind of backed off from everything and said, you know what, compressed natural gas, not selling. We're gonna be done with it, and uh, we'll just kind of continue to have this hydrogen fuel cell thing out there. Uh, which is really nice, but we, yeah, we're really pushing forward with, with uh, electric and everything. And Toyota just hasn't. I'm really kind of shocked that that Toyota has really kind of taken a back seat to everybody. Well, I, uh, I, I, I was too. So I dug into it a little bit, and what I found, and what it well, I don't remember my source, so I, you know, I, I could be wrong about this, but from what I saw. It's Toyota said that they're not happy with lithium ion, not happy with the efficiency and the amount of material and so on. And that they are they are betting on solid state batteries, the next evolution of this technology into entirely different battery type, which <coughs> anyone who's followed the uh, the world of the Tesla can appreciate the fact that one or two of their cars and <coughs> their karmas have caught on fire spontaneously. And solid state batteries don't catch on fire. Well, no, I mean, you know, and energy and everything else. Well, and, and you know, and, and I think uh, was Honda and Honda and I think they're with BMW. Honda and BMW are working on a project where uh, it's creating another kind of uh, electrolyte. Um, 
Yeah, I think he's in like which, fluoride which or something. Is, yeah, yeah, it's it's fluoride based, and um, it if if they can actually get it to to work at room temperature, um, it has a much better. Uh, it, it can go up to a higher temperature and operate and be at a lower temperature, especially, and still operate very well. It's really, it, it's super inexpensive, especially compared to lithium. Um, so, I mean, solid state batteries are just, they're just so many years away. Oh yes, no, absolutely. I'm, I, I, I totally agree. There's, the cost is extremely prohibitive, and there's been no real world, te- real, real world tests that I've seen that have shown you know a use case for it. <coughs> um, so, <coughs> while, jo- while Zach and I take turns coughing, I just wanted to uh, fact check a bit. So it's actually better news than that. Is this fluoride ion battery, as it's called, is developed as a joint project between uh, JPL, a division of NASA. Jet Propulsion Laboratories, uh, and uh, Caltech in uh, San Luis Obispo, I believe, uh, California, and the Research Institute and the Lawrence Berkeley National Labs right here in Northern California. Oh, okay. Why did I think BMW was involved? Maybe it was JP. I was thinking of 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 a of a three of a three letter thing. That that that, that could be it. Um, I do know they were Honda and GM are doing some kind of cooperative on something on hydrogen thank you yes on something niche like that um yeah. i still think i still think hydrogen's got a ton of potential if they can just figure out an efficient way to keep the water coming out of the exhaust pipe from freezing when you're in you know, when you're in zero degree temperatures um i i think that's <laughs> i think that's one of the least concerns um i mean i mean i i can understand that but i just my my thought process with that is, you know, you just heat up the tailpipe. I mean, that's, <clears throat> you know, but um, I just, you know, my 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 biggest thing is is that you know r- right now the most the most economical way to create hydrogen is to uh, take natural gas and break it up, and you can get you know your hydrogen from there. Um, but the the cleanest way is to uh, run electricity through water, and it breaks the bonds of hydrogen and oxygen. Um, but it takes more energy to break those bonds than you get from recombining them. Yeah. <coughs> That's not good. And at some point, I'd like to do a deep dive with you, a deep tech dive into how I don't want to use the word engine, but how how these cars like the Mirai and the, and the Clarity, how they turn hydrogen into the electricity that powers the car. But we don't have time for that today. But, well, uh, I mean, I mean, I can answer it actually pretty simply. Um, I mean, it, it's you know, you, you can go, you know, and and you are correct that you can go into a deep dive and all of that type of thing, and I would really have to kind of do some you know, some, some note taking on exactly what everything's called and everything. But essentially if you take hydrogen in a gaseous form or, you know, in a compressed gaseous form and then pump in air from outside, which has oxygen 
and then you release both of them at the same area, pass it through this, this, uh, this, this kind of this little screen thing. Um, the when the hydrogen and the oxygen combine back together, they release one electron, which is picked up by the screen. Well, because it's atoms and there's literally trillions and trillions and quadrillions and whatever atoms, you know, being passed through, you get, you know, you get a flow of electrons and that's where it comes from essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. And then what I'm not sure about Toyota system, but I know Honda's using three individual superchargers with four panels of screens. So there's three gaps in between all those, all those screens to then blow that air in a, com- in a compressed way. So you have compressed air moving past, well, yeah, compressed air, moving past compressed gas. Yeah. To create a to create a higher flow so you can actually make the car go at a reasonable car speed. Yeah, and, and it's really kind of cool with all this efficiency because with this efficiency you've you're also getting you know a, a, a more efficient drivetrain system um, has the potential to be more powerful. You know, if you just kind of scale it up. And boost it up and stuff like that. And we're seeing that with, you know, you have a, uh, a, a just a regular gasoline electric hybrid, but in the form of the Regera, you know, the Koenigsegg Regera, which is just blisteringly fast. Um, you know, you also have, you know, the, you know, the LaFerrari, uh, the, the P18 uh, Spider. Uh, P, uh, well, you're, you're including two cars. The, the McLaren P1 and then and the Porsche 918 Spider. Sorry, yeah, sorry. The Porsche, the, yeah, the, yeah, the Porsche 918 Spider and the and the McLaren P1 and the LaFerrari, you know, all of those are just, you know, you know, crazy as far as that goes. Uh, you've got the, uh, you know, still the, you know, anyways, but yeah, but you know, just. <coughs> you know, more efficiency doesn't mean less exciting. It actually means that you can actually push the envelope even more. You know, I mean, to, to, to achieve over 500 horsepower 20 years ago, you, you needed to, I mean, you would have, it would have been, well, how, uh, okay. Well, okay. How would how would you have done it? You, you have to have like a a big a big like seven liter V eight with a turbo on it and a supercharger. Um. No. I mean, you just have to put a huge roots type supercharger on it, like like a twin scroll kind of like supercharger kind of a thing, like the thing that comes up out of the hood of some. You know, if you, if you've seen some of the right. old cars, the big blowers on the front. Of yeah. Um. You know, you'd have to, uh, <coughs> <coughs> 20 years ago, you're talking about 1998. <coughs> While Zach dies of the plague, I'll take over here for a minute. But, uh, it's 1998. Well, I was going to say Dodge did it with, with the Viper of just going, ah, screw it. Let's just go to an eight liter V10. Why not? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the best production example I can think of from 20 years ago, and that was, you know, like first gen, early, early Viper. Yeah, I mean, the thing was just it was crazy insane, you know. That, what the, the the first gen Viper remind me? Of, wasn't that the one with it had no roof, and it had like fabric windows or so, some something in, insane, just uh, completely <laughs> impractical. I mean, even for a Viper, it was impractical. Well, I mean, I just, yeah. I mean, we can talk about the end of this and the end of that. We will, I don't see any possible way that we will ever see an 8.4 liter V10 in our lifetimes on a new production car. It's just not needed. It's so unnecessary. I mean, I I really think as, as much as the Bugatti Chiron impresses me um and being able to say quad turbo v16 just makes the little 13 year old to me just scream for joy i i really honestly think that in another 10 years getting you know 1500 horsepower out of something half its size will be no problem at all. <laughs> way combination of uh, a way better combinations like the free valve thing, combinations of hybridization, turbocharging, uh, more efficient engine use, <laughs> and it's just it's all gonna all gonna come together whether. Whether they use, um, you know, Skyactiv V or X, sorry, the Maz is using, or uh, Nissan variable compression ratio that doesn't work yet, or some new version of VTEC or all the above together. You know, it's, it's, well, I mean, let's go back to what we were talking about by, you know, about Rivian, you know, to, to begin with. You know, you're talking Rivian with it with its quad motor drive has seven hundred. It has it has the availability of a combined seven hundred and fifty four horsepower and eight hundred and twenty three pound feet of torque. Yeah, I mean, that's a big. It's in a full-size seven-passenger SUV. I mean, you know, it's you know, you're just, you know, I, I, I think, I think within the next five years, and I'll, I'll make this prediction. I think within the next five years, you will see a supercar which is either fully electric or darn near close achieving 2000 plus horsepower. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, now whether or not we'll break the, the alleged barrier of 1.5 seconds, zero to 60, I don't know, but uh, I think we'll pretty, pretty darn close. You know, it's 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 funny too. It's, as the zero to sixty times continue to drop the way they have, 
I think what we're really going to see is people are going to start focusing on things like zero to 120 miles an hour, you know, zero to 200 kilometers an hour because you're doubling the speed. But, but that's going to be the new, I think, the new standard, right, that people are going to be looking at because, you know, how, how fast can you do that? Well, I think you have to go <laughs> – yeah, I, I think you really start having to look at um, – quarter mile times and uh and, and especially uh you know quarter mile speeds you know what are what are they right it might even be half miles you know by the, for some of these really fast cars to differentiate from each other yeah i mean it's just well here's an example in terms of engines right i'm not looking at speed necessarily but looking at pure power is the tw- there's a 2019 uh, or 2021 of the two the new Dodge Ram, new Dodge Ram, just broke a thousand pound feet of torque. Oh my gosh! In a production vehicle. Well, so you could just drive down to your local Dodge shop, you know. <coughs> well, I mean, uh, hold on, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up something. I, uh, it, towing capacity. I mean, just. Towing capacity for a regular, you, you don't have to have a CDL license or anything. Um, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. looking for the towing capacity myself. Yeah, 2019 Dodge Ram Heavy Duty Cummins Diesel. Um, well, you're looking up something else, I'm sure. Uh, four. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 1,000 pound feet at 1,800 RPM and 400 horsepower at 2,800 RPM. The engine is 60 pounds lighter than the previous Cummins diesel engine with the turbo cramming 33 pounds of boost into the engine. It can tow over 35,000 pounds and has a payload of 7,680 pounds. This (coughs) can be set for payload or trailer towing and can even drop the rear of the truck for easier bed loading and unloading. Jesus. There's even a model for off-roading because of course there is. I mean, you talk, I mean, people think supercars are ridiculous. This is something, you know, it, yes, it is a dually, by the way. I'm sure everyone's wondering. But, oh, yeah. Oh, my. It's just... That kind of thing is staggering. What are you doing? Mo- you know, towing your house across Texas? Because you basically could. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, in, in, the, in the Ford... Heavy duties, the you know the the GM heavy duties, all of that. <coughs> 2019 Ford F450, which is the largest you can get uh, without a CDL license. Um, you have a towing capacity of 21,000 pounds, and and I know that there are some that you can get that are 
over 30. I think one of them has like a 35,000 pound towing capacity. Well, shoot, that's just for going to Costco and back. That's to bring Costco home with you, building and everything. <laughs> I mean, that's just to Costco. I mean, holy crap. I mean, you know, was it the F-250 that came out a year or two ago? F-250 diesel, 950 pound-feet of torque, 450 horsepower. Yeah. Um, I mean, so it's that just... is, for, for perspective, boys and girls, that is two-thirds the torque and 100% the same horsepower as a full-size semi. Well, here's... Here's here here's gonna be my thing. Hold on, I want to find this out. Oh, by the way, while he's looking that up, uh, the Ram HDM engine, <coughs> it's a six point seven liter turbo diesel engine, and I believe it's an inline six, which is just an enormous combustion chamber. Still looking up the actual engine itself, so don't. Yeah, yeah. So, so the Ford. Hold on, I'm reading this from Car and Driver, and this is on the the Ford Super Duty, the F250. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, so the Ford is 2017. So this is on a Ford 2017 F. 250 it's it's a single rear it's a single wheel it has uh hold on maximum where are you um i want to find anyways i'm sure towing capacity is just ridiculous yeah Um, the dodge is a uh inline six so it's over a liter per cylinder. That's crazy. Yeah, 1.1 liters per cylinder or thereabouts. Yeah, so this one only has a 12,600 pound towing capacity. Oh, gosh. Uh, with a, with a, with a, 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 a cargo capacity of 3,500 pounds. That's less than half of what the Ram does in payload yeah and (laughs) and it averaged 15 miles per gallon wow that's pretty good actually yeah and that's not the diesel that's uh that's that's the 6.2 liter v8 well, for comparison, the uh, Toyota 4Runner V6 is eighteen miles a gallon, so that's darn good. I mean, you know, I mean, we're we're seeing advancements just all over the place. Just so, uh, yeah. So yeah. internal combustion is far from dead, people. I think that's that's oh. the, the gist of that. Yeah, I, I think internal it, internal combustion is far from dead. I think that. Um, you know that that electrification is alive and well uh, to 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 those of you who you know really kind of hate it. Um, I I think you just have to embrace it. I mean, electrification is just going to happen. Um, 
and and more progress is going to be made and, and it's going to be fantastic i i really honestly think that it's just going to make everything better it just is i was i was completely converted to electrification um with a 2013 crz that's where i was converted to electrification because the crz was this little kind of mild hybrid kind of a thing and i got into one with a stick shift and with this little itty bitty engine that shouldn't have done anything for me and it's one of the most fun experiences i've ever had in an automobile was that little crz stick shift it was just it was just so much fun and i said wow i can see where this is going and then you know and then i got you know the fit ev and now i have my clarity and i've driven a tesla yeah absolutely i i, I think it's just fantastic well, I think on that note, it's uh, time for us to end. Uh, just as a bit of a teaser, we don't know when we're going to do it exactly, but we definitely have to uh, have to tackle the Japanese uh, when it comes yes. to pictures. And uh, so that'll probably happen pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, my personal preference is to start with Mazda, but we'll see how it goes. And well, Should we start with Mazda or should we start with Toyota? Well, you know, either way, they've, they've both got interesting stories that took very different turns. Yes. Uh, Mazda definitely backed a losing horse there for a while with the rotary, but uh, I definitely yeah. want to talk about why. Why? Well, I want to sort of summarize uh, Jason Fenske's engineering explained video about why the rotary is inherently a bad engine. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, we'll save that for next time. And absolutely, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. Broom, broom, everybody.